Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 1, a podcast where two best friends watch, review, and recommend shows that only aired for a single season. My name is Presley. My name is Andrew. Welcome, everyone, back to the pod for Episode 19, uh, this very exciting episode talking about The Midnight Club. Andrew, would you please tell our, myself and the listeners what the show was about? We're, we're not cutting the intro this time, y'all. Just get ready. Yeah, Just brace yourself for the synopsis. Just diving right in. Uh, the Midnight Club is a Netflix original series that premiered in fall 2022, specifically October. Uh, the series follows a group of eight young adults who have one thing in common. They are all terminally ill. The group lives in Brightcliff Home Hospice, just outside of Seattle, which is run and owned by Dr. Georgia Stanton, played by Heather Langenkamp, who bought the house as a place to provide terminally ill teens with a place to live out the remainder of their lives on their own terms. The Midnight Club meets at midnight, what a shocker, in the library of the home to tell each other scary stories. We see each of the club members give stories and bond throughout their time together at the club. The club has an agreement that whoever dies first has to communicate with the others from beyond the grave. Ilanka, played by Iman Benson, enrolls in Brightcliff Hospice hoping to find a cure for her thyroid cancer after reading a story about a woman with the same ailment going there herself for hospice care, only to mysteriously vanish for about a year and emerge fully cured of her cancer. Throughout the series, we see each of the clubbers deal with their imminent departure from the world in their own ways. As Ilanka spends time in the house, she has hallucinations of an old man and an old woman periodically, also uncovering the secrets of a cult called the Paragon that previously occupied the house. The Midnight Club performs a ritual discussed in a journal of Julia Jane, played by Larson Thompson, to help save Anya, Ruth Codd, from terminal bone cancer after her health takes a dive. The ritual is ultimately proven unsuccessful and Ilanka is convinced by Shasta, a woman who lives in a commune close to Brightcliff, played by Samantha Sloyan, uh, to allow Shasta to come into Brightcliff to perform the ritual again by revealing that she herself is Julia Jane and that the ritual will work this time if she doesn't. Georgia finds Ilanka, Shasta, and Shasta's friends from the commune in the hidden basement of the home and pleads with Ilanka not to drink the tea Shasta has given her as part of the ritual just before multiple of the other women start falling very ill after drinking it. Georgia and Shasta scuffle, resulting in Shasta getting away, while Georgia and Ilanka provide medical aid and call EMS for the other women. A member of the club leaves as they are found to have been misdiagnosed and the group finishes their stories at the final midnight club meeting of the show. The series leaves us with a cliffhanger showing Georgia taking off a wig to reveal both that she is bald and potentially dealing with a sickness herself, but also has a tattoo of the hourglass symbol, which represents the paragon on the back of her neck. Bum, bum, bum. And that was a very long intro and I skipped... 95% of what happens in this show. Yeah, I noticed that you didn't summarize Just all the stories reference. that were told, nor really talked about the majority of the characters, because it is kind of a bloated show in the sense of like how many characters there are that all get their own backstories and stories that they're also telling that are allusions to their backstories. So if you could just redo it all, but also tell all those, I'd appreciate it. Presley, I would love to do that, except that I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. And that would You want to keep so the podcast long. longer than two hours or shorter than two so hours? Long. It would literally take me like an hour to explain half of what happens in the show, it feels like. There's just, it's pretty dense, okay. but also not dense. It's, in a, it's in an There's a simplicity, way. there's an elegant simplicity to it. 
Um, But then there's some weird layers that kind of involve themselves. I mean, let's just, as we always do, let's just jump right into it. Um, I I have very mixed thoughts about the show. I I have a a feeling that you probably liked it more than I did. Um, You know, we don't, we don't talk about the shows ahead of time. Uh, We, my, our general listeners and you especially know that I'm not the biggest fan of spooky, scary things because I'm a wimp. Uh, and there were, okay. m- yeah, I just want to make a comment really quick okay. before we dive. So, uh, I knew obviously as, as discussed last episode, I know that Presley doesn't really do horror stuff. He doesn't really enjoy it, whatever. And I chose this, uh, one to partially torture him, but also he obviously looked decent. And I, I started the show like just before him, uh, story time. If you didn't already realize <laughs> Uh, I'm watching the the first episode of the series as they're telling like one of the first stories, and it's yeah, you're like, seeing the first uh, convening of the the Midnight Club. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and one of the one of the gals is telling her story, and it's a lot of like jump scare, like um, grudge esque looking character type scary things that keep popping up randomly, whatever. And it's like a bunch of jump scares and whatever. And I literally was crying, laughing trying to imagine Presley handling his shit during watching it. Uh, and then I texted him and asked him like, Hey, have you started watching the show? And he was like, no, why? And I was like, never mind. LOL. Yeah. You and like, he, I clearly yeah. knew what you were getting at, but I couldn't like, I hadn't watched it. So I didn't yeah. know. Um, and I um, knew that you were going to be like, Oh fuck, maybe we picked a bad one. Cause he was going to be too scared. Or you would have thought it was like so yeah. funny that I would have thought it was scary if it was at all. Like to it you, was it was definitely nothing. the latter. I was like, dying laughing because i was like presley is gonna have a bad time watching this he's gonna be so scared uh but then it didn't turn out to be quite true did it yeah it was uh there were like four moments in the whole series that i was like oh that was like kind of effective Mm -hmm. um but the the problem this show could have been like genuinely terrifying and they did everything wrong to make it not terrifying in my opinion um the 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 best uh the best scary things are the subtle small things and they do a lot of those in this show where people will like walk through a dark hallway and there'll be like someone behind them in like a like a few frames right like where they walk through like over the door of a bedroom and there's someone laying in the bed but the camera's following them so you don't see them and then they'll walk backwards and there's no one there right and like that kind of stuff is good the problem is and this is the one thing we talked about prior to the podcast and this is why you kind of get the sense that i wasn't that scared is that every single time it's accompanied by a musical sting which i think makes things infinitely less scary Um, oh yeah because you can anticipate it just takes me out kind of the of creep. Like yeah. the, one of the things that scares me in shows, movies, TV, whatever it is, right. Is putting myself in the mind or the place or the situation. Right. And for these people, when they're getting scared, they're not hearing these loud, arbitrary, fake noises that, that movies and shows produce to get you to jump. Right. And they call right. it out in the show in that first thing where there's constantly jump scares. It's like a jump scare every three seconds. And like, you know, it's like clearly a joke, right? Like in the, in the narrative of the show. And then yeah. one of the, one of the people listening to the story, like interjects and they're like, this is not scary. You're like jump scares are effective because they give you that like one hit of adrenaline, yeah. but they, they don't actually scare you. It's not frightening. Right. It is they're surprising say too. the like jump scares are cheap. You know yes, I mean? exactly. Right. Um, making somebody's skin crawl is very fundamentally different than a jump scare and pretty much 
almost 99% of the quote-unquote scares in the show are jump scares, not skin-crawling yeah. scares. I would have honestly preferred to have been scared out of my fucking mind and had my mm. skin crawl over uh, the scares that were in the show, and I did not find it to be particularly scary. couple small little moments that were really scary, and they were still even undercut by not scary things. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, okay, I, let me paint a picture for our listeners, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So there's uh, an episode later on where Alonka our main protagonist for all intents and purposes, her, her roommate Anya has died at this point, right? Because everybody in the show is dying. So it's kind of inevitable right. that one of them was going to die. Someone has to die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so she is back in her room and I believe this is the episode where uh, Anya has died and you see her like sit in bed and then she is like lying down. Like the motion of her lying down reveals this really scary old woman that we keep seeing behind her. If that moment was completely dead fucking silent and all you did was like perfectly fine room and then she lays down and there's this person like crawling into her bed. Again, the only sound is the sound of the sheets and then her like falling out of bed in fear and hitting the floor while this crone woman is like saying like she's really hungry. That would be way more effective than being a right. Like I may be scared a few of our listeners right there. I'm going to leave that in. But, like, that's what happens, right? You see yeah. the moment of fear of the, the character suddenly being behind them when the whole time they weren't behind them. And the, it's like an uncut shot, right? But then it's undercut by just a loud banging noise, which, it, again, defeats the purpose, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it doesn't really seem like the show was written to be specifically, like, horror. It was supposed to be, like, thriller with some creepy, crawly, creepy crawly vibes to me, yeah, I guess. I agree. Um, and I think that shows... In, in all the like the jump scares in the like not horror or not scary scary moments right it's not necessarily supposed to make your skin crawl or uh, give you nightmares or something like that but it's supposed to just be kind of creepy and thriller and like what the hell is gonna happen next um, while also sort of missing a strong thriller like energy well it, and it goes back to, to it, a, a concept that you and i talk a lot about on the show is who is this show made for right because it's the target demographic is probably like young adults right like people the ages of the main characters right people in their mid to late teens right but i don't think us (laughs) yeah us totally and uh i i don't think it's you know, when uh, when teenagers go to see a horror movie, they, they like jump scares. They like to be scared. I don't think that this is scary enough to be entertaining to those folks. And no. then conversely, I don't think that they're going to be drawn in or interested by the the kind of uh, melodrama of, of the dying and the cancers and the various terminal right. illnesses. Uh, not because it's not interesting from, from a viewer perspective is actually my favorite stuff in the story. But I just don't think it would hold the attention of probably the target demographic, which is like the whole point of the show. And I, I wager that's probably why it was canceled. It was like two, they couldn't find their demographic that they were trying to target nearly enough, even if the reviews were good for the show. Cause I think the, the show had fairly good reviews and was well regarded by critics. Um, yeah. I don't so think it did I, yeah, poorly. no, I don't think it did. I remember when you told us about this uh, later on, I discussed, how I was looking forward to, to watching it because some movie reviewers had brought it up in one of their like catch up uh, uh, videos where they were like going through all the stuff they'd been watching lately and just reviewing it. And they talked about this as one of the episodes or one of the shows that they were watching and they both had really liked it. And I just respect their opinion. So I was like, Oh cool. Then hopefully I'll enjoy it. Right. And I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, I'm just looking up a little bit here. It was actually received very well. Um, it, 
recorded 90 million hours viewed uh, between October 2nd and October 23rd last year when it came out. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of hours. It was yeah. Like I don't have a context 10. for what it's like relative to. Other I don't shows either. On Netflix, but that's. But I mean, that's a lot. Like yeah, for Netflix, like it was in their top ten, right? So like obviously, it did well. Yeah. Um. You know, I think it's similar to like a, a midnight. No. Yeah, midnight gospel. Wow. I was like, wait, hold on. Am I tripping up? A midnight gospel situation where like it was received very well and people really liked it, but for some reason or another, um, whoever was behind, you know, pulling the trigger on continuing just didn't do so. Yeah, it could also be that the just like Midnight Gospel, it wasn't good. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not the philosophy, it... and we don't need to recap that. But uh, yeah, right. It, it maybe it just wasn't as good as they they were hoping, and and again, like you said, maybe they didn't find the the demographic they were really. Trying yeah, they're to always looking for the next big uh, cash cow, the next Stranger Things, right? Stranger Things yeah. uh, succeeds right. uh, because it has some really good science fiction '80s classic throwback uh, stuff, but yeah. then also right. some actually good scares right like there are some moments in stranger things that are actually scary uh much more than the show was in my opinion yeah um fun fact about this series uh the first episode of the series broke a guinness world record for the most scripted jump scares in a single episode of television and none of them were scary jump scares 21 jump scares i think maybe the first one because i was like not no i guess it got me because it was you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting at my computer while I'm like doing something else, watching it, and I just wasn't like expecting it. I wasn't like fully immersed in that moment, and then it just like, you know, the loud cymbal crash or whatever yeah. it was as the jump scare goes, like, made me jump. And then I was like, oh, okay, like we're, I, I see now where we're at, and we're in for this kind of thing. But yeah, 21 jump scares in the first episode, and they were probably all during that story. I, yeah, there's <laughs> maybe one or two after or something, but because the reason that she gets so Lanka goes to Brightcliff at all is because she has like a premonition, which is the thing that reveals that she is terminally ill. Like she basically collapses at a party um, while having like a hallucination that includes like elements of Brightcliff, right? Like we see the cliff side where she first meets um, Henry. I forget his name. I'm sorry. They're, I want to call him Dusty because that's um, the name of his character in one of his stories, but that's not his name. I think it's Henry. Uh, kevin could be kevin he's the white guy (laughs) yeah that's the best way to describe him um and uh like she sees a bunch of these like premonitions right and she sees like symbols of the paragon and all these things so like they're trying to build a supernatural world while also keeping it grounded in reality which was very odd to me and i didn't know what to do do with it because it's like okay either you have a supernatural thing right which is totally fine for horror i mean plenty of horror is supernatural and i'm i have you know, no problem like, with it but you got to kind of stick to the rules horror. right and this is like a thing i hear a lot about like people that watch a lot of horror that like horror is they want rules to the horror right like there's yeah, a lot of, of like either keep it completely ambiguous a la alien where this thing is just killing people. There's no rationale for it. It just wants to murder everything and there's no deeper purpose. Uh, or you give it very like codified rules of what it will and will not do. Um, you know, it can only be out between these hours every single day and we're safe in the yeah. sunlight, right? Like that kind of thing. And this didn't adhere to that in either direction, which bums me out. Cause I think I would have enjoyed it more if it's like, 
you know, you give this like crone, like is a real thing that's haunting these kids as they're also just telling these spooky stories. Right. But like, it's not codified enough and we don't know if this is just like her hallucination or not. And one of the problems too, is that his name is not dusty, but I'm going to call him dusty. Dusty also it's Kevin. Kevin also sees these hallucinations. Right. And so like, it further muddles it in a way that isn't satisfying to know what's really going on the whole time. And again, it's yeah. not like, Ooh, that's so mysterious. What's going on. It's just like, just explain to me, like, just tell me something that makes a little bit of sense within the logic of the show. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of series and movies at whatever does a really good job and, and succeeds by not revealing everything to the watcher. Yeah. Right. Like we've discussed that. Uh, multiple times like totally. sometimes you need to be in the dark sometimes you need to be in the dark but have a little bit of a backbone to understand you know what's happening in your the universe or whatever of whatever whatever you're watching right um and i feel like the yeah the 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 old man and mirror or the mirror man and the hungry woman or whatever the hell you want to call i them. mean that's a good name for him that's a fun band name yeah too. Uh, it's a fantastic duo uh band name uh, tm um tm 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 yeah tm um i think like well to your point right like we do not know what's going on with the weird culty stuff that's going on in this sub basement right we do not really understand the broader implications of of statin the head of the hospice being part of the paragon and knowing as much as she does about it while also being in competition with this uh, uh julia jane right who wants to basically get back on the property and potentially murder people for mysterious reasons that is a fun mystery of like okay what's going on there what's what's happening but then you add in these like horror elements in an otherwise very grounded show uh that kind of pull me out of it it's like either be supernatural or, or be real i like i want one or the other yeah uh what, what i was saying is that like you have you have the mirror man and the hungry woman introduced in like kind of a, a theme in the house but they don't feel tied to anything that's my point right really right but only or or i guess only tied to the picture of the, the or like the newspaper clip that we get of the folks who created who built the house because I were I'm I was led to assume that they built the house they're like the original owners and built right. the house um but but we don't know why they're still there right we don't know why they're ghosts we don't know what they have to do with anything they feel like filler jump scare like that's your horror part of it yeah exactly really like when they're um, not telling what, the stories at the midnight club these yeah. are what keep you engaged with jump scares in between right Right, and and what connection do they have to uh, what they keep calling death, which is like basically the moving shadow monster that comes for them right before they're about to die. It's kind of their first signal that like they all know that they're on death's doorstep in a way because they're all terminally ill, but that's when they know it's actually coming, right? Because there was someone who was there before Alonka who talked about it and saw it, and then they died, and then we saw Anya experience these visions, um and and during the like ritual where they're trying to save her she is basically like taken by it in a way or like you know attacked by it um and then at the end we have um lucas's character name it's interesting they say the character names more than they do their their 
names their real names like in the yeah. show. And so, like, I think of their characters just like you. Uh, let me look. Amesh. Amesh. Yeah. Um, but he, his vision starts to go uh, because he has uh, glioblo- glioblastoma. Um, it's just part of part of his condition when it really starts getting advanced or more advanced. But he talks about seeing like the creature and the shadows moving or whatever. So like it's it's hinted that he is very very close to being the next person to die, um, which he had just narrowly passed his um, his death day. Anyway, so it's not a huge shock, but okay. I don't know. It's there's is a lot it of real? Like little, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, we don't. I mean, our conversation for the last like six, seven minutes is is kind of about that. Is any of it real? Are these people just like all hallucinating because they're hella sick? You're right. Is it or, it, or is it because one person? You know this this first person that they talk about experiencing the visions or whatever the hallucinations. Did they have brain cancer and their brain was tripping the fuck out as they were being affected by treatments, their condition, et cetera, et cetera, and then it's all just like a placebo effect. Placebo right. They're effect, just they're right? they know like, they're about to die. They're impending. Anya's doom. like, I'm gonna die, and then her brain just starts running with it. Right. Our brains are really powerful in a lot of ways. That is one of them sometimes. Yeah, and uh, even there there are certain medical conditions that can cause a sense of impending doom. Like that right. it, they affect you psychologically more, you know, right. in the same way that they would affect you physically, which is interesting. Yeah. I just I just like it's not that I like rules. I like knowing to a degree what I need to take seriously versus what is in the character's head, right? Yeah. I think like in the same way that like the philosophy kind of thing. If we're dipping back into the fact that I don't like philosophy kind of well, it's like, yes, we're having like a metaphysical conversation about, is this real? Isn't it real? Right. Which is fine. But like, I think it would be more interesting to know that this is a real entity that is actually stalking the halls of this specific place. Right. Or I think that it is a representation of the same thing. Like that being answered for me while leaving other questions. I'm fine with, with things being ambiguous, but it's like, there's too much left ambiguous. And because we don't have more of the show, we can't really know anything more about what's going on here. And so like, I would have just liked to have had some of these things answered to reveal if in principle, the show is a supernatural show or if it's a, not supernatural, you know, like, I just want to know that, right? Yeah. It's clear that when we watch the Winchesters, it's about real supernatural things, right? Like, it's right. demons are there, right? It's a, it's a totally. known thing. Here, we don't have that, and I would have just preferred to be like, oh, no, it's really supernatural, or oh, no, it's all in their heads, and whatever. I think maybe maybe that, that part of it is supposed to be understood by the viewer, that it is a real thing because multiple people experience it. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, and, and I mean, maybe, maybe that's, that's maybe also that's why what they're leaning on. Why about, Kevin and Alonka are both seeing the ghosts as well, right? Like they are really right, because it rep- is a real thing. Yeah, exactly. Right? I think that the show probably just relies on that solely instead of like showing us more um, to to justify to the viewer why we should believe this is a thing. Because um, again, there are a lot of ailments that can cause sorts of crazy trauma and things that that people see and experience so and these would be the people that would have it right these would be the people yeah. that would experience those things so. totally um, um okay we've now gone we've deep dove in did 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 
right. Um, we've done did Don. Ah, we've gone very yeah. deep. We're leaving that all in, by the way. Uh, we've yep. gone very deep. Uh, I want to back up a second, and I want to yeah. know which of your stories was the fa- was the favorite of your stories, and kind of give mm. a, a very brief synopsis to to our listeners. Um, cause I, the best part of the show is the stories that are uh, told I by agree. these characters. Cause it's basically taking them yeah. there. They are all cast members in their own stories, right? Where they mm-hmm. are either the protagonists or part of their own stories. And you're watching basically a mini vignette of a different life that they all are leading. Right. And, and I they think all it, feature in each other's precisely. Like, right. So that, like, which is interesting. Yeah. It, 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 brief example in Dusty's story sorry in kevin's story he is playing dusty right and then all of the other characters in the story are like his girlfriend and one of the people he murders and you know people that are reporting on the crimes like that kind of thing um so give me your your favorite one because i think it'll be interesting to hear hmm i hadn't yet actually really thought about which one was my favorite yeah this wasn't a planned bit so i i did like kevin's which would be would be dusty's um his had the most moments think, of when i was actually scared yeah i because it was genuinely kind of scary yeah and and there were some thrilling aspects and you're like what the hell is going on there's yeah. very like suspenseful curiosity that i experienced while watching that unfold but I it is also the most fleshed out because it goes over three episodes rather than a lot is, of them yeah, are one-off episodes is. Um, but I think I, I would have to go with Amesh's story because I think yeah. it was just the diff, the most different, right? So Amesh, yeah. Amesh's character Luke was uh, loved video games, made video games. Um, this is this series is in the '90s too, by the way. So it's very yeah. like mid '90s, right? It's not like they're making uh, somewhere around there. I think it's '94, '95, yeah, it, something like that. Yeah, it's not like they're making you know a massive game like Call of Duty or something. You know that kind of it, it's like text based you know, very simple graphics type of, of game, but he, on he his likes death day, games. he gets uh, an original PlayStation that kind of puts into context. Right. Literally so. the, the OG PlayStation yeah. he's talking about in therapy, how he'll never get to play it, yeah. uh, but he really wants to, et cetera. So his character, um, Luke, uh, really loves video games. Um, any, any games, all games. And he's crushing on a, a, a girl named Becky, uh, who works the front desk at like the local, uh, Hollywood video or game store or whatever you want to call EB it. Right? Games, so Babbage's. It's kind of like that type of thing. So he he goes up uh, to ask her out. He's all nervous. He just grabs a random game and, and kind of like tries to strike uh, strike up a conversation. Sort of fails at it, but like does a good job. Well, he grabs like a really up, a shitty game, right? And so yeah, it's like, he, you yeah, want to buy and, that? And she was like, you really want to play that? And he's like, no, I actually don't. After she after t- she turns him down because she just recently started dating someone. Um, and then he's like, oh, shoot. Well, okay. And they, they just kind of, you know, they're talking, hanging out. And then uh, he goes about his business. And uh, this this gentleman, mid-30s, um, stops him and was like, hey, you said you make games. Uh, and pulled some intriguing detail about, like, the game he mentioned and he was like, tell me about it. Like, tell me all about it. And this guy was like a, a fabled game, video game developer of the time. Uh, do you remember what his name was? I, I no. don't know. If it, it was even it's a not real a real fictional name. character. It's, I thought it was yeah. a fictional character. So. No. Um, yeah, he's just like this really like fabled video game designer uh, who was so like enigmatic that nobody knew what he looked like, sounded like, anything like that. So, um, you know, it was very easily to, or easy for Luke to believe that this guy 
was who he said he was. So he's like, yeah, I, I'm actually building a game. Tell me about your game. I want to show you mine. Um, and because they, they, they strike up a conversation, they, you know, they're, they're chummy and he takes him back to his place and he sits him down in front of a game. He's like, I've been working on this game for a long time. Basically the game is world war three simulator. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's I mean, that's, it, right? it's like it's the, like, yeah, it, that's literally what it is. Uh, and basically the way to win the game is like to preserve society. Right. To um, not cr- create or a nuclear to war. not like create a nuclear war. It's like risk, but more and intense. Yeah, it's like risk on crack. It's literally like super intense and way more difficult, right? And so, um, this guy, forgive me, I can't remember his name, but he's like talking about how he can't crack it, and he can't find a way to make it so that everybody lives, right? That that the world doesn't blow up. You know, there isn't a, like nuclear holocaust and all this kind of shit, and so they. Sp- you know, Luke spends, uh, it's kind of like a montage thing. He spends, you know, probably months, uh, visiting this guy's house, playing the game, all of that, trying to figure out how to beat it. Right. And he gets to this one conclusion where he ends up alone in a star in like a, in like a, the space station, international space station. I think it was right. Yep. Watching earth blow up in nuclear yeah, like, burn, war basically. and burn and after like a massive nuclear war and then like these lights show up and it's an alien something or other care creatures or something that all they see is light talking about how like they can help save it and and do it over again but do it the right way etc cetera, etc cetera. roll credits um on roll the game. credits basically not on the narrative. on the game on the game uh, basically it evolves a little further into like an espionage type of thing where like the guy Becky was dating is like a, a, a rich guy. Like his family is rich. He ends up becoming the president or something. Yep. And um, the, there's a gal who walks in while they're playing the game for the first time, who ends up being Becky uh, later on in life, as well as this gentleman who is the video game developer ends up being Luke, which is our main character in this story. It's a big time right? so it's travel. Basically all these people yeah. time traveled back to a point where Luke was young because what ended up happening uh, in this story, and, and you can tell now why we say that 95% of this series didn't make it into the synopsis, right? This is just one story. So uh, Luke created a, a program basically for like global security but it ended up basically transpiring the way it did in the video game where there was like nuclear holocaust only a few people made it to the space station uh safely and they were given another chance but yeah like right. the ending so, like, that he thought was so terrible literally happened and yeah the literally entities, it was like aliens or whatever the entities yeah. of light came and then and the entities like, try again <laughs> a lot of these folks back in time yeah. To try and basically prevent what uh, what had happened from happening again. Right. And so Luke had actually, before all this happened, he created the program. But before the whole nuclear annihilation thing happened, he died of a heart condition. Um, and he was like, his body was there on the ground. He like died when it happened from his heart condition. And he was brought back to life. And so were Becky and... Um, I think his name was like Ryan or Zach. Or yeah, it doesn't matter. Future president man matter. who is trying to some, kill future. Some rich, Lucas. affluent white kid um, who didn't matter at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- so they're all bought back, and it's like this kind of almost spy-esque kind of thing where Becky and this 
guy were together, but her and Luke actually loved each other. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot to this story, but basically what ends up happening is Luke ends up saving everything. Beck, Becky, okay, this is just, there's just so much. So Becky from the future decides she needs to kill the rich white kid. Let's just call him Ryan. That will become the president. In the who past. Causes, who who's is going to become that, the president yeah. who causes all this annihilation, right? Because right? he's in control of the U.S. And, and all that. She decides that she needs to kill him to stop all of this from happening. This is like kind of a rogue thing. Like no one else really believes that they think they can break the thing. And and uh, and Ryan in the future is trying to stop her from doing it because he's like, she thinks she needs to kill me. And well, I quite frankly don't want to die and be wiped from existence. So she ends up going after Ryan in a car. Um, Lu- was it Luke runs no. out to stop no, him? No, 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 no. Becky pushes the guy that she was oh, dating out Becky of the way. So she murders her younger self. Yeah, she kills her younger self. And then right. she evaporates from time, right. basically. Exactly. But um, that also then closes the loop and stops all right. of this from happening. Closes the loop. And then Luke, in that time, as a young man, is able to go to the computer and type zero, which is how many like nuclear stations or war stations or whatever you want to launch to begin the game. He originally like starts with four. He types zero, and it was like, "Good job, you saved everything." It was like basically, pacifism is pacifism than, wins, right? Pacifism wins. Um, yeah, I mean that's his story, right? And and he basically caps it off with like the 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 light beings at the end of the the previous existence were angels. You know, because he, like, he doesn't necessarily. S- yeah, well, ahead, it's funny ahead. that he makes it angels because uh, the one of the characters, one of the people in the Midnight Club who, who's suffering, Sandra. From, yeah, yeah, she is uh, extremely religious, like to to yeah. almost a comedic sense of like is yeah trying yeah. to con- convert everybody to Christianity and everything's all angels and everything's God's will and power and everybody's got right. a plan. And of course she falls asleep in the story and every single story, story that she is told up to this point has been what they call angel porn, where it's just always angels all the time. Right. And it's just like very masturbatory, like towards God and angels. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and so then she falls asleep and of course it's like the one good the story one. with angels that she yeah. then misses and falls asleep and everyone thinks it's yep. hilarious, which it is right. Yeah. It's a fun kind of irony what was yours um dusty's story i think it was dusty's story i really liked his um because it's just like a fun kind of weird serial killer story uh Mm -hmm. basically dusty uh is like this mild-mannered kid at his school very you know nondescript as a lot of serial killers are uh and then we find out that like very regularly he goes out and murders people with a hammer and then buries them in like shallow graves in this cave and specifically like young adolescent women Yes, yeah, and uh, there there are some other people thrown in there as well, but it's yeah, that's the predominant. But and that's like the mo, yeah. Yeah, and he like kind of ends up be getting involved in his own investigation because like, um, I don't know, Alonka is the character in the story. It gets very confusing because everybody has like four character names because they're yeah. showing up in different stories. Alonka ends up like starting to date him, but is also the best friend of the, his most recent victim. And so then they are the ones to discover that she's gone missing. And then the head of the hospice, Stanton, is the lead investigator who's then asking him a bunch of questions about, like, I am chat rooms and, uh, you know, how to communicate uh, via the Internet because it's revealed that 
uh, Dusty had been talking to a lot of the people in the Ion chat rooms prior to them being murdered. And well, but they think it's like an old guy because they're like, right. how would an old person create a profile and communicate? Right. Yes. Because the murders, the, the Paragon symbol he kind of uses as a de facto symbol always shows up at these missing people's homes uh, after they go missing. And so they're like convinced, but it's been happening for like 60 years. Right. So they're like, it can't be somebody, you know, your age, right. It's like physically impossible. So one of the hallmarks of the story is that uh, Kevin, who is Dusty, the serial killer, is always like uh, leaving things on a cliffhanger, right? And uh, like the last cliffhanger is that his mom, who is in like a catatonic state, is the one that's like putting the voices in his head of who to kill next each time. Um, like she's kind of like creepily crawling into his bed and like grabbing his face and like screaming it at him. And we're also like seeing this really, name, right? yeah, like exactly. Sheila was his love interest or whatever. Yes, exactly. And she was like, he didn't want to kill Sheila, but like he was, you know, he kind of had to. Um, and the other really creepy thing that was like actually kind of effective is that there are these cutaways where like you're seeing Dusty standing there, um, like kind of in his own regret about having murdered somebody. And then we see them, we see all the people he's murdered, like standing behind him all with the faces of them screaming, but you can't hear it. And that's like, a like he talks about like in the story, how like he can't hear the, you know, it's it, you know, he just sees them screaming. He can't hear it. Right. It doesn't matter to him. Right. Yeah. Cause he's and like, for, for the visual picture too, they all are like, they, they've bludgeoned. all been bludgeoned in the head with a hammer. He puts a towel over the head and bludgeons them with a hammer. And every single one of them, you can see their like the blood. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. Wound and whatever, right? So yeah. each one of them is just screaming with no noise. There's like 15 of them all standing there in like a chorus. So. Yes, exactly. And it's it, it cuts to it like in very strange ways and that are, I think, clever. And again, like scary because like having just this chorus of people who are all mutilated and screaming but not making any noise just suddenly appear is i think a good way to be creepy and uh so then dusty uh is he has to kill sheila that's like his final victim that he leaves like on a cliffhanger and then he finally decides that he's going to end the story uh in the in the final episode and so he basically is trying to kill sheila at his own house cuz he's like i have information about who is uh who how your best friend went missing who killed nancy and uh he like is about to murder her like with the hammer and then he like stays his hand right like he stops like an inch away from her head right because he like doesn't want to do it he like is doing it because his mom is compelling him not because he wants to and so then his mom like crawls in through the roof right or like through the top of the doorway she's like kind of like an exorcist kind of vibe where she's like almost supernaturally possessed and then she tries to kill uh sheila and uh, then Dusty is able to restrain her, and then Sheila kills them both, or tries to kill them both. Basically, she kills his Dusty's mom, who yeah. then has like this ghost evaporate out of her body. That then it's like a demon. Inf- right? Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's yeah, it's ambiguous, right? Um, and then it infects Dusty, who then. Yeah. Ha- is like about to then try to kill Sheila again, who now feels this like compulsion to kill rather than like being told by his mom who like scares him to kill. Right. So like suddenly this like need to kill somebody is like transferred to another person. Go ahead. Yeah, it's like whatever this entity is that is possessing and convincing or whatever takes over his body. Right. Like that's Yes. Cause it was possessed. previously in his mom's body and then it was previously in her dad's body. It basically like right. passes. And the reason that it wasn't in him already was because like, she 
basically had an injury that made her catatonic and like ineffective, but she was still alive. Like it couldn't pass because she hadn't died yet. So then he like basically holds this demon back or whatever, like the real dusty comes through and he's like, Sheila, you have to kill me. Basically it's a, it's a very exorcist three moment and a deep cut exorcist three call out for anyone who likes that movie. And uh, then we think that he is, Sheila has killed him but then it cuts to him being in an insane asylum, like in basically like a padded room. Yep. And he, the voiceover is like, you could tell that she really loved me because she didn't want to kill me. Right. But this demon is like still possessing basically dusty and really wants to like kill somebody. And you can see like, he's like still restraining himself from trying to kill like anything that can move basically in, in the room. There's no one in the room with him. Right. But then he like asks for this music to be played. Like he just wants some music to like drown out the sounds in his head basically. Right. And then it, like fades to black. It's kind of like the darkest end of a story. Cause the, uh, most of the stories end up being like semi positive or at least like not completely Happy miserable. Yeah. And that get, one's like, like fairly kind of, dark, like, healthy closure, I guess in a way. Yeah. And I think it's because it's like representative of, of his own, like feeling like his death is going to just destroy the lives of everyone around yeah. him. Right. As, as Dusty's actions destroyed the lives of everyone around him. And so it's better for him to isolate himself and not form connections because he doesn't want to create more harm than good, which I think is interesting. I don't necessarily agree. So those are our stories. It, it, for Kevin, it kind of went along with what he was currently experiencing. And of course, when people tell stories, a lot of times they tell stories about what they know and what they experience, yes. right? Like that's part of storytelling and that's what makes storytelling so relatable in some ways is because like, people experience similar things sometimes, right? And so right. you read a story that you've felt the same way or thought the same thing or whatever, experienced the same thing. Um, but but their stories are often told very well through like a lens of what they experience and what they enjoy, Yeah, uh, whether that's like them being sick, how they discovered they were sick, which I feel like there was a lot of hidden story about that or like alluded story yeah about that or like how they all discovered they were sick or what their lives were particularly what their lives were like before they arrived at at bright cliff um and i, I thought that was that was really good i really yeah. liked that but i think for particularly for for kevin with like secluding himself he had just either broken was up. about to just or had just no he had just his, broken his, up, his yeah. girlfriend um who had been with him through through all of it, and he, yeah. it was basically like him making the decision that she needed to let him go because he was literally going to die. Yeah, there was like nothing. That, yeah, like and hanging on to this was all was, it was going to be was painful, you know, right? It precisely. Good stories. I I like the 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 vignettes a lot more than I like the. I think the whole of the show, not because the whole of the show was bad, but because the vignettes were like interesting and novel. Uh, and had some fun references to other properties, but were still yeah. fairly unique. I mean, one of them is lot. literally like a Terminator ripoff. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of really, really strong, compelling storytelling that was done in their stories that wasn't implemented as as strongly in the actual narrative. Of the yeah, show. precisely. And it's tough because, like, you can't necessarily go a hundred percent full throttle all the time i guess in a way because then it'd be too much story happening yeah you're right like the, you have to find time, a balance like, of them telling these stories balanced. versus the narrative of their own lives yeah the story of them and what they're actually experiencing um 
yeah listeners tell us what your favorite story was yeah you'll, i'm, you'll I'm very curious i also sh- shout out to i think that it's the first full scary story we hear which is the the two anyas which is anya's story where she basically makes a deal with the devil and gets two of herself right. um and it, that one's like kind of messed up um it's all messed up there are, the, each of the stories is messed up in a different way which is kind of fun i guess yeah. if you like messed up things but yeah. i feel like you and i enjoy a broad swath of, of different things. We've talked a lot about this show. Um, cause I think it was a fairly good show. I'd love to hear like mm-hmm. a good and a bad cause we've kind of already gone it and we're, we're sticking to the yeah. loose format of the pod yeah. and then we'll, we'll get into our star rating. So what, give me a good, give me a bad. We'll keep it quick. You know, I think, I think one of my goods was, was the storytelling. It was the creative, the creative storytelling of the mm-hmm. kids. Yeah, right? totally. Um, they all had very interesting stories even if some of them were better than others, right? They all had very imaginative stories that all yes. kind of showed very strongly themselves and portrayed their personalities and their characters in a great way. Yeah, the, the um, way I in would which say they that, connect and parallel their characters and their stories. Yeah, and I would say that like in tandem, the characters were very good. The character yeah. development and stuff was very good. Um, specifically, I feel like I really liked Anya, she originally maybe the strongest character in the whole show yeah coming into the series she was like a total bitch to alanka who was her roommate um and was just really rude and standoffish very bitter very bitter about everything and then as they spent time together and and kind of experienced bright cliff and were there for each other in, in certain moments that were um that were difficult they grew a very strong bond and it was very much like they they almost kind of it almost felt like toward the end of their relationship when Anya passed that they were almost like sisters. Yeah, and and there's a lot of references as the show moves on about these, you know, uh, eight or nine people being like their own de facto family. family because yeah. a lot of their families had abandoned them in various ways, right? Uh, directly or indirectly. Um, Correct. And yeah. so yeah, give me a bad. Yeah. So the bad. Um, uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think it's just like the overall narrative, specifically the the paranormal element or the 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 happenings of the house, yeah. right? Because the house was clearly haunted, and or there was a cult, and or and or mystical magic stuff or? that is not cult like is right. actual magic, right? There was just a lot of like it was just kind of like back and forth. It made me feel like I was in, in a, in a yellow like school bus, but like <laughs> on a switchback. <laughs> it's a very good really visual. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Constantly You're like kind back of being and forth between yeah. like, is it a ghost? Is it like a haunting? Is it this like cult blood ritual pagan thing? Or is it, fucking magic i don't know right or and is it none that, of those things and it's just or like, is it none of it yeah and it's, it's just, just weird all these kids right, are like, just sick and hallucinating like yeah, fucking crazy exactly um yeah i think that i think that was the tough thing for me it was like I, I couldn't i couldn't find a thread to hang on to yeah and there's a lot like, going on or to really know i guess in a confident manner what was actually happening there and again mystery is part of horror specifically and yeah. there's there's always things that we don't know but usually there's something else or there, there's at least something to grasp onto and understand about what's happening in the, in the story. And I think yeah. that's where it fell short. Okay. I like that. What about you? Good and bad. Good is the character work, 
we talk a lot about you and I about good good character development, giving your characters room to breathe and have personality and growth and development throughout the show. And every single one of the characters has like a a nice solid arc that I could call out directly, right? Like it's it's there's no character gets like left behind or is ambiguous. Uh, you know, even a clear like example of like a character we haven't even talked about is there's this one character who's uh she, when we're introduced to her she's playing the cello and everybody calls her a liar because like all of the things that she say, says is extremely outlandish right and it's like very hard to believe and so jerry, she, yeah. yeah jerry thank you and cherry with cherry Sherry or Cherry, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. C H E R I. I think it was Sherry. Sorry. Got it. Didn't no, no, no. I appreciate the clarification. We should so. probably try to like say their names. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you, so they have twelve names, though. so that's really hard. And they all have twelve names each. So yeah, and but anyway, her parents are basically non-existent in her life because they're off doing crazy, weird, amazing things, right? Kind of without yeah. her because she's terminally ill, and so she's they're been like kind of rich career types. Yeah, and so everybody always thinks that they're she's lying about that like that she's making shit up and her life is really unremarkable but then she keeps like showing hints of like actual that a lot of that stuff is real because she'll give people these kind of gifts that are like very kind of there's no way that she would have access to this if the stuff about her parents wasn't true right and so there's a certain like she comes in and is presented as a very vain character who only lies about everything and is revealed to be this actually really good-hearted kind person that you know gifts uh, alanka this beautiful wig that resembles her old hair from this yeah. prestigious wig, wig maker because she mentioned it and she yeah. thought she would like it it's it's like she a very just did it to be a nice person it, she's exactly right and it's nice pure-hearted person. and it's good I, we've talked a lot in the show specifically me i love a character that's just nice for the sake of being nice and she's a great representation of that because it's a great like classic trope of this like you know rich snooty person who thinks she's better than everyone else and she's not like that at all but she's presented that way and i like that she has like this really nice she helps uh, inspire one of the characters who uh is gay to confront his extremely religious mother about it mm-hmm. and be supportive but then also kind of undercuts it when she's like and this is my fiance to his mother right like she is still a liar but she's always sweet yeah. and endearing and does it to bring joy not not to like harm and so i like that right and every single character i could go into detail and i really like that every character has an arc a moment uh, an important part of the story uh anya steals the show pretty much in every single scene she's in and the episode that's entirely about her uh, was probably the best episode of the show yeah yeah anyway that's my good great character work we love it we love to see it here Mm -hmm. um bad was that (laughs) it wasn't scary yeah like i said there was like three things that were that were kind of scary like i i jumped but i wasn't like I'm spooked. I, I, I didn't have any trouble sleeping like I do when watching scary movie yeah. trailers in my real life in reality. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was for me, it was just that one jump scare that I was like half paying attention. That's why I didn't like, yeah. that's why I reacted. And then after that, I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not a huge horror film person. Yeah. Neither I'm of us not, are. I'm not a horror film person. Right. Like I, I just, I just don't watch them. Yeah. Uh, but I would, but I, 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 found myself wanting that from this because they they were just like on the fence or on the tightrope of like is it is it not is yeah it, it and it not? couldn't pick a like, side commit. yeah yeah like, it needed to one or the other rip out rip like make it a drama series about all these kids that are dying and making up stories and tell interesting or make stories it a horror series. I, yeah exactly like, like you know what i mean yeah um, and, and, and it just didn't really commit to either one 
yeah so i think the fact that it's not particularly scary is a big detriment uh because like while i can't say that i really like it if you're going to market something and talk about it being like scary and horror make it scary and horror you know like you know own what it is Uh, i think it's going to be a horror mystery thriller make it a a horror leading horror in the subject or like the genre you've you gotta you gotta go for it you know yeah i i agree good call it up anyway Okay, well that's fair. I think uh, I think that's that. Those are pretty solid goods, pretty solid bads on both parts. Tell yeah. me what you think you would have wanted from a season two. I usually am the one who leads. Yeah. The charge there, but I'm interested to hear first because I do have an idea, uh, a pretty strong idea of what I would have imagined a season two. And just as a quick call out, this was intended to be a two season series. Yeah. When it was written. Not a limited series, but a two series or season. Yeah, they just had a strong vision of those two so seasons, we right? Got half of what was expected. So, Presley, please. Okay, with that knowing knowledge. that, that's interesting. See, I would have liked not knowing that kind of with my when I was thinking about my predictions, I, I had no context Ooh. for that. So sorry. I would have liked to have seen more members join the Midnight Club. Other other kids rotating through the the hospice, right, and getting some new fun interesting perspectives uh you could even rotate in some some other characters that we've kind of like loosely met or associated with that end up you know becoming term like how interesting would it be if dusty's girlfriend then comes down with a terminal illness right and then is you know what i mean but like i'm just saying like as you're bringing in new characters you introduce new sources of drama right um and new new ways in which the characters can interrelate and and new stories can be brought about this the show is ultimately a little bit self-defeating in its premise because if you don't do that, you just run out of kids because they all die of their own terminal illnesses. And then right. they, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. so I would have liked to see that just, just some new casts. Yeah. New I mean, it's anything, it's a similar concept to like when you have a series that's about a high school, they can't be in high school for 12 years. You've got well, to introduce tell people, Glee that. Face people out. Right. So, um, I think the other big thing that I would have wanted to see is a, a little bit more of, the intentions or broader reasonings goals of the people in the paragon both from like the negative side of the the woman that tricks uh, alanga uh, into trying to perform this ritual but also from staten the the runner uh, of it right the the ending shot is of her tattoo right and of her secretly being bald this whole time and wearing a wig um yeah oh good minor shout out wig work is very good in the show Fantastic. When when you when they want to when you want when the show wants you to know that the character is wearing a wig, you will know that they're you wearing know. a wig. And yeah. when they're when they don't want you to, it's pretty hard to tell, right? I didn't yeah, call that, that was, uh, you know, with that woman because it it doesn't look that way the whole show. Uh, right. Minor shout out, which is why it was such a shock. And yeah, when she took when she takes it off, Sean not Shawnee, I was like, what? So well. Yeah, because I'm usually like, like the first to call out bad wigs in movies and shows. And so I like that it's very distinct because you have these people, most of whom are, are cancer, right? And, and cancer often with chemo, you you lose a lot of your hair or you shave your head kind of ahead of right. ahead of losing your hair. Right. Anyway, all this is to say more characters uh, introducing new stories, more inductees into the Midnight Club and trying to contact the other side, and then just more codified kind of rules or structure or goals of, of the cultist, uh, you know, weird things. You know, they, they allude a lot to it, but like there's no real goal or purpose to anything that we're ever seeing and i just would have preferred to see some of that and understand what the whole deal is like just a little bit right especially if it's only two two seasons right coloring what you said having some more information about what their ultimate goal would be before these kids all die would be nice that's all there has to be a conclusion right 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so in summation, you? you would have wanted to see a season two from a season two. Got it. Um, what? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, like uh, the logical things that I would have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Got it. Well, what in the story would you want? No, um, I, I think from a season two, we would have obviously seen, uh, or I, I would have wanted to see uh, and, and get a deeper understanding of the Paragon themselves, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, uh, based on some some of the events of, like, I think the, the penultimate or the last episode, one of the two, uh, Shasta and, and Georgia knew each other very well, right? They mentioned that um, Shasta had been arrested like three different times for trespassing and trying to get into, yep. uh, into the house. And, and, you know, Shasta is Julia. So she did do, uh, a, a ritual and was healthy and safe. And it, it feel, it felt very obvious that Georgia herself also maybe benefited from the same ritual, right? Cause she had the same, she had a tattoo of the Paragon. She obviously had been dealing with a sickness. At least that's where it went for me. Or that's what it felt like to me. I have a theory about this. So I think that she did a similar thing to Alanka, Georgia did, discovered all of that, and then was able to escape her fate via some sort of ritual. Yeah. Uh, maybe even looping Shasta into helping her. Uh, who knows? I don't really know. Um, but I think I would have hoped to see a little bit more development into like understanding of the Paragon. Yeah, just um, like- Right, and how that ties, how the history of what seemed like the strongest theme there was the Paragon and the the, the cult rituals and all of that. Um, I I think we would have seen that develop and define and weave the other random magic or ghosts stuff together. Whatever the hell is actually going that, on, into right? It, yeah and fold that in okay. and they, they talk a lot about how the house itself that place has such a, an energy that's specific yeah it's very magical right? and that's what right. stems the ability to do these rituals and whatever to be able to to make yeah, things by happen. the logic of the paragon right by the logic of the paragon so i think we would have seen a lot more in depth there and just like you uh you know we lost um in different ways like three of the the members of the club i think two or three uh, and and t- at least two of them are very close uh, to being dead and gone, right? Yeah. Like Kevin and and um, Dinesh. Amesh, Amesh are, are basically Dinesh. like they both Amesh basically Amesh. both only have like a month or something left, right? Yeah, so they're 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 you know, they're the closest for sure. In in season two, if we if we don't see them pass, we certainly probably hear that they are gone and no longer in the show. Right. Right. Yeah. You um, can do it even. So they would jump. have to have new people. And I think that's this, that would have been the natural spirit of the midnight club. Right. Because people were constantly coming and going because all these people are terminal. Yeah. And so I think we would see some new cast members. We see Ilanka and some of the other newer people like Amesh was one of the newer people, um, as then now like senior members of the club who right. like indoctrinate other new newer members, people yeah. into the club and, and show them around and talk to them and, um, while also like investigating the Paragon. Um, I, I think there's an interesting possibility of like seeing the thing behind the scenes to the, to the viewer of the Paragon stuff, but then also watching the group, uh, figure the it club out. kind of like figure it out. Yeah. 
Um, I think I think that would probably make for a really solid season two. And I, if I was a betting man, I would bet that that's exactly where all of it goes because it's, if it's only two, yeah, s- it would seasons, have to. It has to end after that, and they would have to start tying up those loose ends. But or maybe not. Or maybe not. I mean, because sometimes we are left in suspense on purpose, and we yeah. just have to um, assume an ending or uh, you know create one of our own. So yeah. Well, uh, quickly going over our star ratings, uh, with zero stars being uh, just the worst. Should never have been an idea in anyone's head, let alone a movie script or a show script or a show. Uh, yep. One star being, you know, maybe fine for a pilot. Go on Dead Pilot Society, uh, have a funny episode, but it's not doesn't deserve a whole show. Two is okay. You got a season out, but didn't deserve to be renewed. It really wasn't. Uh, we weren't feeling it as an audience, as a collective uh, being. Three, our watch at your own risk category. Uh, you know, if you enjoyed our discussion about it, probably would enjoy it. We think it has some merit. Could have gone for another season. Doesn't necessarily merit another season. It's kind of on the in-between, right? Writing the line. Four being that this is a solid show. Deserved another season. Ended too soon. Um, and it's, you know, it's a shame. And then five is like the criminal crimes, the ones that should have, uh, you know, should have been the staples of modern culture, you know, the next uh, Breaking Bads or what have you, you know, the, the really uh, touch point uh, shows that were, were really missed. Andrew, what is your star rating for The Midnight Club? Hmm. It's actually a tough one for me. Because, it's tough for me too. Um, I, I feel like I have a lot of, I feel like I have a lot of reasons to put it in a three and a lot of reasons to put it in a four. Okay. Like simultaneously. Um, I don't know. I think a general comment on like how I was rating it as I was watching it. Cause I do this, right? Like I'm, I start a series and I'm like, this is dog shit. This is a zero. And then I end up putting, giving it a three, right? Like, right, cause it yeah. develops, right? This show for me kind of started at like a, like a one. Okay. And it wasn't until like, honestly, like the second half of the series or the season that I started kind of like getting into it yeah you got more engaged it was just the... really slow yeah, right it, and so it's, immediately it's i was show. like this is not gonna be it like this is if this is all we get this sucks um gun to my head uh i would say four okay but like 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 a superscript four not like a full four like pan am would have been right like because i would have rather seen a season two of pan am I would have rather I would have wanted that more than I would want a season two of this show. It's so funny how Pan Am has become our yardstick for so much. It's so weird. It was a show that I, both of us had so little anticipation of like it being yeah, good at all, and terrible. then it like went so fucking hard the whole time. So I think it's like yeah. such a because eventually we're gonna get to a five that will probably supersede Pan Am, but I think Pan Am will oh, forever I mean, be our like dark horse winner of like you know where it's like nobody yeah. expected either of us to like it, and then we loved it. So. Yeah, it was like um, the, it's like the underdog. Yeah, um, but yeah, we absolutely have some fives that would uh, every day win the fight hand over fist. Yeah, right. Of, of Pan Am that we already know. Right. Yeah, we just haven't done them yet. Um, what about you? Okay, so four, four with an asterisk, but we'll still it's still a four. You know, you didn't, <laughs> it's you still know. a four. It's still a four. Right. You got it before. That's fine. Yeah, it's a four. Um, I was waffling inside of a, a teetering in an opposite direction between a two and a three. Um, okay. two, because I don't, I like the character and the story work, but the, the, the scares and the overall like broader premise not being really fleshed out really kills a lot of the momentum for me. 
so I'm like halfway there, but then I'm like, well, you know, like I enjoyed it. Like I, I wasn't dreading watching the next episode at any point, which typically right. then is the lower half of the spectrum for me. So I'm going <laughs> to give it a three. I, I, okay. I think it's a, you know, if you enjoyed our discussion, it seems interesting. If you want to feel like maybe a little spooked, if you're kind of in a mood for, for, you know, if you watch it in the dark by yourself with the lights off, you know, like I could see a lot of people getting some, some, uh, some jump scares, some good, some good jumps out of it. But like, you know, if you watch it in the middle of the afternoon on a Tuesday, you're, it's not going to scare you. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a three. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, I, I think what pushed it into a four to me was like, it's interesting cause I'm really thinking about it and I, I thought about it a lot and I just have more commentary is like, I think it should be a three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so are you but undoing I, your score? I, no, 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 no. Okay. But I so badly want to know what the fuck is happening in the yeah, house that's fair. that it pushes it into like, well, I do really want to yeah. know more. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons why it's a three, but that one piece of like, okay, wh- how is it all connected? Mm-hmm. Hello? Like makes me, makes me, uh, makes me a four. So that's just really interesting. It's also I mean, really think about how many shows have continued for a very long time on that premise where they have a very good right. last few episodes that leave you on a cliffhanger that just leaves right. you, you know, wanting I would more say most forever. successful shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's also really interesting that I, I think for the first time in the history of our show have given a show a higher rating than you. Yeah. That'd be funny. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to let our statistician, uh, tell us cause we've, uh, we do have a statistician who's uh, doing some statistics for our show. Yeah. Uh, and oh, it's w- true. Yeah. Shout out. Annie uh, has Shout been keeping Annie. all of our. She has like a. She has a full data set of even stuff that you and I like. She has all of our scores saved, and she even like texted me to clarify one of the scores because they were ambiguous in one of the episodes, where she was like, "Wait, was your score really a two or a three? Because it was kind of like you were kind of muddy about it." So, um, anyway, we'll as we'll soon figure as we it out. Make money. <laughs> we'll throw some her way. We have yes, to. I agree. She's doing well um, and uh, and. Yeah, we'll publish it on the website once it's like fully robust. She's like still yeah. working on it and like wants it to be like I was waiting until like we had like 30 episodes or something. Uh I have not seen any of it. I've been leaving yeah. it as a surprise. So, we'll we'll maybe we'll do like a special episode, like a short 10 minute where we go over the data with her with our listeners. Cool. Anyway, uh Andrew, are you ready to hear what our next show is? I'm so ready, yeah. Um I decided to go you've been going for some more recent cancellations and I tend to do the slightly older ones, so we're going to flip yeah. the script a little bit and I'm going to do one that was canceled in the middle of us watching this previous show of the last two weeks uh, it is an Apple TV plus show called high desert. It's about um, Patricia Arquette uh, becoming a private investigator. I believe uh, either in like Vegas or like a smaller uh, uh, deserty town, like New Mexico, Vegas, Nevada, something like that. Um, Recently canceled had, uh, you know, interesting reviews about it. Seemed kind of interesting from the trailer. So we're going to watch that. Uh wow. And I love Patricia Arquette, so be warned. Thank you for the warning. <laughs> well, it just might color um, my opinion of the show a little bit. That's no, all. that's fair. I'm I'm so surprised. I feel like this is this is Apple's first canceled show, hundred percent. Nope. Is it not? They've canceled multiple shows about. prior to this. Really? It's yeah. the first one I've heard about. I know I've I believe only the first heard one that things they've... about any of the series that I've heard about right like uh, i can tell you definitively you... i believe the first show that they ever canceled was called mr corman who which is also on our list starring jgl that's right yep 
So I know that that definitely ago. was prior to this. So I know that there's at least one before, but I, I know that they've canceled other shows as well. I guess I'm just not paying attention. Well, I guess all right. I'm really not the one who has a Google alert. <laughs> I have four Google alerts and I don't want to yeah. talk about it. So without, yeah. we're going to leave it on that because clearly I have a problem. Uh, and uh, we appreciate all of our listeners tuning in on this episode. Uh, find us at our social medias at season underscore one underscore pod. We have a threads. If you care about threads and don't care about Twitter, like I have slowly uh, entered. So if you want to follow mm-hmm. us on threads, go there. It's our same social media account as our Instagram. So pretty easy to find. Uh, also check out our website. We got all of our shows listed up there. We got merch, which we like to tout um, good stuff for the summer and for the winter when that inevitably comes back. Uh, Andrew, I think we did a very good job on this podcast episode. Sorry, it's Thanks. a longer one. I do too. Yeah, well, I mean, we did both have to spend about 10 minutes each explaining stories in the show. Oh, no, I mean, it was kind of inevitable if we were going to talk about little. it. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, I enjoyed it. And uh, thank you all for, for tuning in and listening. Uh, but until next time, I'm Presley. And I'm Andrew. We watch this so you don't have to. <laughs>